Hey, what's up? Hello. Welcome to Sounds Book But Okay, a Sounds Fake But Okay book companion podcast where an arrow ace girl, I'm Sarah, that's me. And a bi-demisexual girl, that's me, Kayla. Talk about all things to do with the chapter you just read. On today's episode, friendship. Hey, everyone. It's friendship time. So true. (laughs) You're like a third of the way through the, you're a third of the way through the book. Good job. Actually? Mm-hmm. About, yeah. I don't know page number-wise. Wow. Our first couple chapters are real chonkers. <laughs> That's true. I guess I don't know page number-wise. I'm going by, like, the number of chapters. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know that that's true. I don't actually know that that's true. Well, anyway, you did it. <laughs> you've done it. <laughs> well, thank you for sticking with us this long. I hope you've learned so much about friendship, and I hope it has made you reconsider all of your friendships ever in your entire life. <laughs> And it really was the friends we made along the way, wasn't it? It was the friends we made along the way. I think if we're going to take anything from this chapter. Certainly. The fact that we, I don't think, referenced that in this chapter is really upsetting to me. Yeah, that's kind of aphobic against ourselves. I know. Yeah, upsetting. Well, welcome to chapter three. We start chapter three with a little story about Tina. Oh, dude, I have written in our notes, F Tina and the real life person she's based on. Yeah, so this was... Uh, I hate me a Tina. This was my chapter, for the most part. And this Tina anecdote, it's broad, but it was taken almost exactly from something that happened to me, or I guess it happened to a friend of mine in regards to a mutual friend of ours. So I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The The friend's name is not Tina, to be clear, but... No. I do remember getting, like, live updates on this situation, too, and I was like, the yeah, is happening. Yeah. So if anyone's like, the story that you tell at the beginning of the chapter seems too extreme. Well, it happened to well, me. Girl, <laughs> well, I'm sure I have the text receipts somewhere to prove it, so. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, don't be a Tina, okay? Yeah. Don't be a Tina. I was also very proud of myself with coming up with the name Tina because it's a very clever play on the person's real name, but you'll never know what that play is. Wow. Get owned. You'll never know. Oh, yeah. The only, I don't think I really had much, uh, I don't think I really did much on this chapter in the way of helping. Sarah didn't need help on her chapters, is a thing. But I needed help in, in, in creating the full book organization. I needed more, I needed more front-loaded help. That's fair. You needed more backloaded help. So true. Wow, it's like we are perfect for each other. Weird. The only thing I really remember uh, about the making of this chapter is I feel like we uh, intentionally decided to make it chapter three and before the chapters on relationships and sex because we were like, no, those are always first. We're Mm going to make friendship first. Yeah, we didn't want to once again deprioritize friendship you know mm-hmm. it's the whole it's the whole thing about this chapter that's <laughs> like literally did you even read it did you even read it are you just listening to the podcast without reading the book that would be so embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> you'd be pretty confused to be honest it's not yeah. like these are a recap <laughs> no <laughs> no um something i did notice actually just now i didn't even write this in my notes but this was the first time where we refer to a romantic sexual relationship 
And us deciding to kind of use that term, we certainly did not invent this this terminology, but it was important to us to often they're referred to as romantic relationships when you're talking about relationships and dating and stuff. But the reality is that when people say that, what they mean is a romantic sexual relationship. And it was important to us to clarify that. But as we note in our footnote, even if it doesn't have that sexual aspect, even if it's a no sex involved at all or a no sex until marriage or whatever, it's still prioritized above any platonic relationship. And so we kind of wanted to clarify that when people say romantic relationship, what they almost always mean is romantic sexual relationship. But even without that second aspect, it's still, according to society, more important. And that's stupid. True. So then we continue to use that term throughout the book, if I recall correctly. I think so. Moving on to my little personal anecdote section, I honestly don't have a lot to say about this because... I feel like it's all said in the text of the book. Um, I don't have a lot to add necessarily, but I will say that I think this is a super, super common experience among A-Specs. And so if you're here and you're not A-Spec and you're learning more about it, like I think that is a good thing to keep in mind is that, you know, you have all these allos who are like, oh my God, I'm afraid of dying alone. And it's like, so many aspects are afraid of that same thing, but in a platonic sense. And that mm-hmm. sucks. Yeah. No, that like, and it's something that people don't really consider. Like when people say like, oh, I'm worried about dying alone. They always mean it in a romantic mm-hmm. sense, which just even. Right. It just it shows you how much people really don't prioritize friendships when they when they say that. I mean, obviously, I don't think people mean Right. when they say it but you know and then there's always that response of like oh no you'll find someone and it's like that's not what i mean at all the problem is that everyone else is finding someone and leaving me i don't want to find someone but the the problem is is not that i'm not finding someone the problem is that everyone else is finding someone and forgetting all about me and that's the issue yeah so there's that moving on to this romantic friends concept i had actually never heard of this i didn't know anything about it until i encountered this article from Raina cohen and i just thought that it was such an interesting take on everything and things change so rapidly and and society's understanding of what is normal changes so rapidly but it feels so set in stone and i think it's it's easy to forget that not only is it all made up, but it's not even consistent <laughs> throughout time and space. Yeah. What's so funny to me about the like the romantic friends, like this article, and like this is something I've just heard more people talking about in general. Like I'll see people talking on TikTok about like I don't know, like they're these kind of relationships with their friends. And it always like and I know I shouldn't feel this way. I should be happy that we're talking about this more outside of our community, but I'm always like, we have been saying this for years and no one listened to us. And now suddenly some cishet now thought of it and, and now they think it's a cool thing. Like it makes me like it's under my skin of like, we made some of these concepts. 
Yeah. We gave them a name. Like, I'm so glad that people are talking about it. But yeah, it's just, you know, I don't yeah. know. It's a struggle. The one other thing in this section that I wanted to say, we kind of mentioned in passing in in this section that the idea of homosexuality as we know it today didn't really take take shape until the 20th century after romantic relationships kind of had their peak. And I think that's it it wouldn't really fit in this book to talk about, well, what is homosexuality and how did we conceptualize it? But I think it is just so interesting where that's just another thing that has not been as set in stone as we may think. People have always had same-sex attraction, but our idea of it is pretty new. Yeah, and like the language around it. Mm-hmm. Eris Young's book, who's also um, was published with our publisher, Jessica Kingsley, their book Ace Voices has a, se- a long section talking about just language because Eris is someone who just like takes great interest in like the science of language. But mm-hmm. I would recommend that because obviously, yeah, that is not kind of what the point of our book was, but it's a very big part of like the ASPEC community in general is like the creation of language and the evolution of language. So yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. Absolutely. So here in this chapter is where we first mentioned David J., the man, the myth, the legend, the godfather of asexuality. So true. This is just kind of like a, a fun, funky little fact, but we we did intend to like properly interview him for this book, and we talked to him about it, and we were going to do a certain time, and then it didn't happen, and then we were like, well, maybe let's do written stuff, and then he was busy, and then, and so eventually we were just like, you know what? We have enough content from you between all the other stuff you said online and when you were on our podcast. I don't think we actually need to interview you. (laughs) We have enough. Thank you. We have enough. So that's just like a funny little anecdote. Yeah. David was one of the, we like, obviously we had the survey, which I don't think we feature in this chapter, but um, David was one of the very few people that we like specifically reached out to, Mm -hmm. to like have quotes from because- He's done all, like, he's, you know, I don't know, he's been around the longest mm-hmm. in recorded asexual history, so just makes sense. Right. And I think it is, it is also something we're aware of that David is a white man, an American white man, and it was also, to a certain extent, not wanting to privilege his voice disproportionately over others. Yeah, I think we were both very aware that, and I think David is aware, like he has said Mm -hmm. this, this is why he's kind of stepped back from a public view, but like he is uh, widely overrepresented in the community, his his opinions and his work. Which was why we were able to write this whole section without having to do an additional (laughs) interview with him because that, that information is there. Right, so... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's important for us to know is like we know mm-hmm. that he and you know, people that like look like him are very mm-hmm. overrepresented in the community. But the fact remains that he is the person with the biggest body of work. So it's, you know, right. it's where the content comes from. And that's why, you know, us being aware of that, us having these conversations about, okay, well, what if we just do a written interview? What, what if we, you know, do this? 
that kind of did lead us to doing the survey and getting a broader variety yeah. of voices, which I think ultimately was a, a very good addition, a very good conclusion to come to in, in dealing with them. Well, yeah, because if we had just been doing interviews, we would have been reaching out to the people that we know, which is a right. very, very small, uh, I don't know, like focus group. Right. Yeah. So be free, David. Be free. Be free. Be gone. Don't be gone. Well, be gone if you want to be gone. It's none of my business. <laughs> How's your daughter doing? Is she good? Just wondering. Next, I just wanted to say, I don't know where Reddit user Impressive Jaguar is these days. I desperately but I hope want happy. to know. I hope I, she's happy. I desperately want to know like, if they're still living all of their friends all together and I such. Hope I hope so. To know. I hope so. And it's just made me... I've been thinking a lot recently about how all of my closest friends are scattered across the country. <laughs> and not just any country. A very geographically large country. <laughs> yeah. And kind of just reading through this again really just hammers home how jealous I am of Impressive Jaguar. It's truly like... It's such an impressive feat. I have a, a coworker that's like almost in a similar situation. Like mm-hmm. her and all of her friends live in the same neighborhood and they raise their kids together. And like you can just walk to each other's houses and they just like help take care of each other's kids. And I'm like, so what? Nice. how did you do that? Like, <laughs> hello? How'd you manage hello? that? It's possible, but how? I don't know. Coming soon, our next book, How to Become Impressive Jaguar. <laughs> I, literally, I would love to know. Uh, will be exclusively interviews because we don't know. <laughs> I would, if anyone knows where Impressive Jaguar is, please let us know. Please. I want to be so impressed by this big cat. <sighs> the final thing I wanted to mention here was that the the addition of talking about aplatonic identities uh, was a very late addition. And it was something that we weren't as familiar with, which I think just goes to prove our point that we make in this chapter that it is a lesser known and lesser prioritized identity even within the aspect community so i just wanted to say uh, for those neither of us personally know people who identify as aplatonic and so i just wanted to say like i hope we did y'all justice we did our very best yeah i think i think it felt very important to me that we include it because so much of like the A-spec lens or just kind of the culture of the A-spec community is very, um, it's all about friendship, which like makes mm-hmm. sense. You know, it's all about prioritizing friendship the same that way that we prioritize romantic sexual relationships. Mm-hmm. But I've also heard from aplatonic people online. Again, we don't know any aplatonic folks personally, but like I've seen discussions mm-hmm. about how that can be very alienating for aplatonic yeah. folks in the same way that people prioritizing, you know, romantic sexual relationships can be alienating to an ASPEC person in general. Mm-hmm. So it felt important to me that we referenced that. Yeah, and two things can be true at once, right? Whereas it's aplatonic people might feel really ostracized in some senses by the prioritization and the focus on platonic relationships within ASPEC communities. But it's also true that this focus on platonic relationships and friendships is really important to the ASPEC community. And both of those things can coexist and... It's mm-hmm. it's a little complicated, but what about 
the A-spec community is not. <laughs> so true. So that's all. So yeah, I agree. I hope that we, I don't know, handled that in a good way. Because it's something that's newer to both of us too, but we we thought it should be included. Yeah. One thing about this sort of last big paragraph is I I kind of want to make clear that I'm, I'm talking about, uh, you know, uh, the, hum- the human re- race being social pack animals, right? But how it's really based on a foundation of platonic relationships. But at the end, I emphasize that if after a breakup or a divorce or the death of a partner, you had like no one to go to, like that would suck. And I am fully aware that in using those terms, talking about breakup or divorce or death of a partner, it is super allocentric. <laughs> but I feel like this last part of, of this paragraph is is not addressed so much to the A specs. You know, it's Yeah. This is the one part that's like really specifically addressed to the aloes. And and even if you're an A-spec who's reading this, I hope this is something that maybe you can use going forward and maybe questioning the aloes in, in your life where it's it's a question of, okay, so you do have this. You do have this partner. That's fine. That's cool. But what would happen if they were all you had and you had nothing else? And so I just kind of wanted to clarify that I know I'm being allocentric in a way in in saying this, but it's um, it's because it's kind of directed at the aloes. Yeah, yeah, they need to learn. I think the I don't know something that I want to also mention about this chapter is that like as we said with the yourself chapter about like giving advice and then not taking it. Uh, this chapter should not put forth the idea that like Sarah and I have like the perfect friendship or that we are like the best at friendship or anything. I'm actually a god. Yeah, we're, we've done it. We've cracked the friendship code. Like Sarah and I have never had the David J intentionality conversation, you know, no. like and like I have come a long way as someone who dates from like when I started dating as a teen to now about how I view friendship and prioritize it, you know, like I've come a long way. Yeah. We're not all born with an inherent understanding of all this stuff because we're raised in a society that teaches us something else. Yeah, exactly. So, like, this is something that uh, just because you're A-spec doesn't mean that you're amazing at immediately either. Like, you can be an A-spec who dates and still not be great at prioritizing friendships, you know? So, So it's always something that you can get better at. And that's what your little aspect glasses are for you put them on and they give you a little help they help you out a little so true i think that about covers it for chapter three we've done it thank once again we we've done it friendship friendship it was the friendship we friendshiped along the friendship so true thank you for listening thank you for reading and uh we'll catch you next chapter goodbye